Hey everybody, and welcome to episode two of Clothed Men Discuss Bare Naked Ladies. Uh, I'm Ephraim Ellis. Uh, today I'm wearing a, uh, an olive green V-neck T-shirt and my Jim Jam pants. Uh, my uh, co-host Chris is sitting across from me, across several oceans. How are you today, Chris? And what do you wear? I'm good, and I am wearing a dark blue hoodie with gym shorts. So we are at the same level of formality for this recording session today. That's great. It's nice to know that we dress up for each other. Exactly. We, we just really, really want to continue to impress each other and make sure that... Yeah. Well, you just, you just got up and I'm just going to bed. So I feel like even though the time zones are different, it's still like the same proper dress attire. Like we're going to... Exactly. Yeah, it's going to overlap at that point. So my, my priorities are comfort right at the moment and I'm thrilled about it. Uh, also because of the time zones I'm on coffee, you're on, I think, a beer you made yourself? I am on a home-brewed beer. Yes, that's right. How is that going? It's delicious. It's I, I made 60 bottles, <laughs> and it's a good thing that uh, I'm staying home because I shouldn't be driving when I have this many beers. Ah, oh, see, I was going to try to do the segues this time, Chris. If you can think of a better segue, then I want to hear it right now. <laughs> see, I was taking the reins on this particular episode, but maybe you should drive is the on is, is also the name of Nailed the it. album that we are discussing Nailed today. It. By the Bare Naked Ladies, released August 16th, 1994 on Reprise Records. Same label as they did before. Also, same label as Reprise Frank Sinatra, Records. if I'm not mistaken. I just looked that up. Uh, number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 of that week of August 16th, 1994 was Stay, I Missed You by Lisa Loeb and the Nine Stories from the movie Reality Bites, a movie I have never seen. Do you think that's a problem? It's very... Uh, not If, if, we're, if yeah. you're not Gen X, not really. It's trying really hard to make you feel bad for them because they're overeducated and aimless. And there's just way bigger problems in the world right now so it doesn't age the best so on the as i am on the upper end of millennial this may not land as well i yeah. guess so yeah <laughs> um i also just saw the video for that song not a good video not a good video no not the best yeah. eh? I, I i did the same thing because yeah. I, I when we were doing this i kind of went well i should probably listen to that song because mm -hmm. i didn't know if i knew it or not and then it's just lisa loeb in, in a room walking around yeah, exactly. Thank you. Uh, thanks for listening to this second episode of Clothed Men Talk About Lisa Loeb and Nine Stories. Uh, Very 90s. Number one, the number one song of 1994 was The Sign by Ace of Base, which, to be perfectly honest, if I remember my grade two class correctly, that is absolutely correct. Like, that is absolutely right. That song was everywhere. Uh, the song longest on the charts was I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. Also sounds correct for that time period. My sister was super into that cassette tape. And then went on to also get into the Bare Naked Ladies, which is also one of the reasons I really, really like this band, because it was like a siblings bonding thing for me. This was the first Bare Naked Ladies album to chart in the U.S., peaking at 175 on the Billboard 200 album chart, and it went double platinum in Canada, charting to number three on the Canadian Billboard charts, which I think is pretty impressive, which is pretty great. Yeah, yeah. it checks out. Mm -hmm. uh, number one song on the Canadian Billboard 1994 charts, All for Love by Brian Adams, Rod Stewart, and Sting. Ah, from that... So one Canadian. Yeah, one can. Oh, yeah, that's true. One Canadian in there. Well, I mean, that's how that's how the CRTC works, right? Those are Canadian content rules, just the bare minimum. 
and I believe that was from a Three Musketeers movie? Good times. Good times. Good times. Brian Adams had a really weird run of just doing theme songs for movies that were dated. Like, he had, you know, Everything I Do from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Which, to be honest, is actually a very good song. Like, oh, it's amazing. When it comes to, like, pop song-wise. Also a very good movie, I think. Yes, but very much so. The two singles from the album were Jane and Alternative Girlfriend, which are two of my favorite songs by Bare Naked Ladies. We'll get into that in a couple minutes. Uh, the only two songs from this album, those two, uh, were the only ones featured on their first graded hits album, Disc One. Three out of five stars across the board for major review publications. So it sounds like there was some critical, some, some critical consensus on this record. Yeah, that sounds about right. We can get right into it at this stage. I think that'd be nice. I've gone on record... I've spoken to you anyways, but now, well, I haven't gone on record because now we're recording this. This is my first official recorded statement. (laughs) Again, that is why we established what we are wearing before we started the episode, because in order to name your podcast that, we have to legally, like, establish that we are clothed. We also have to build trust with you, the audience, to, you know, you just have to, we're, we're trying to build you a word picture in this audio format. I, I don't like this album that much. I really don't. Why? Tell me more. I. It's a very big departure from Gordon. Sure is. Which, as we discussed last week, it was probably one of my favorite albums by them. Hmm. I, I don't know. I just think that this is the quintessential sophomore slump. I think that it is a label giving a band that mm-hmm. found some success in their debut some money. Some producers, I think there were too many hands in this. I think that the songs aren't very lasting. I do like Alternative Girlfriend. I do love Jane. But aside from that, I'm not a big fan. However, I will say, and when we get into the songs, I'm going to ask you to guess. Aside from those two songs, this album does feature one of my top three songs from their entire catalog. So it does have that going for it. It's not Alternative Girlfriend. It's not Jane. There is one other song on this album that I absolutely love and hold very dear to my heart. And I would say it is in my top three. Okay, because that was the clarification I was going to ask. So in your top three, though, like not just one of your favorites, like in a nebulous, like eh, who knows where it is in the ranking, specifically in the top three. My top three Bare Naked Ladies songs, there is one track on this album. Oh, see, I was feeling confident being able to guess Ooh. until you said that specifically. And I'm like, oh man, what could possibly be this? Uh, so before, uh, before I went to go research this, like for this, uh, for this app, I thought like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah maybe you should drive. That's like my like second or third favorite Bare Naked Ladies album. This is going to be great. And then I was listening to it and I was like, is it? Ah. So I feel like maybe... I feel like maybe our opinions are, are closer together on this one. Yeah, just because, like, um, very, very similar. There's, a there's like, three or four songs of the 11, 12 tracks on this album that are, like, some of my favorite tracks of theirs that they've ever recorded, and we will get to that uh, presently. Um, but all the rest of it in between is like, eh, I can take or leave it. Like, it's pretty good. The thing I do like... Uh, which you uh, have specifically just said that you are not a huge fan of, um, is that it does kind of move towards the sound that they would then have at least until the year 2000. Yeah. 
because like I do love Gordon and it is ah, see this is the thing because Gordon is more interesting because like their next four albums are more like ah yes we are an alternative rock band now as opposed to having some of those more like comedy and jazz influences that were on Gordon but I do like that their sound has kind of already solidified into like kind of the sound they're gonna have across that kind of like I think of it as like kind of like a four album chunk of like maybe you should drive pirate ship stunt and maroon where like those four records kind of like feel like a series to me like they feel like a period yeah yeah that's actually a really good point I now that you've laid that out I tend to agree I do I think you just hit the nail on the head I think that those four albums are very much indicative of the sound that like they a were period go- for the band yeah yeah mm-hmm. definitely i mean that all leads up to disc one and then after disc one oh yeah yeah and then right after disc one you've got everything to everyone a couple of other ones and then stephen page isn't long for the band after that we're getting ahead of ourselves spoilers yeah, we are getting ahead of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but i think that's kind of like i don't know it feels like yeah gordon is like a kind of a statement and it's in like a period in and of itself and even though this is only the two years later you then have the pre-disc one for album like section you have the everything to everyone and the bare naked ladies are records as kind of like the weird middle period i, I love all three of those records um, and then you get into the post Stephen Page era, which I think also has its own two distinct periods, but we're getting way, way ahead of ourselves. Maybe you should drive. I think it's pretty good. But it's got it's got peaks and valleys though, because again, it's 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 a collection of some of my favorite songs and some of my again, like not songs I dislike, but like least memorable songs in their catalog. Peaks and valleys, peaks and valleys. That's my opinion of this of this album. Yeah. Look, it's not that I actively dislike the album it's not like it offends me it's not like i turn it on and i just go well i don't care for this much it's not like i turn on the record and it immediately says hey i don't like your mom exactly it's yeah it doesn't insult my mother it doesn't go and offend me right off the bat it doesn't start immediately there's no direct jabs at me or my appearance or my family that's right but at the same time no there's absolutely yeah no there's nothing that wants me to that makes me want to engage the album in a duel i mean they're they're a very canadian band so i mean as soon as they would do that there would just be apologies all around i think uh, it it is just forgettable i think you're right i Mm -hmm. think that aside from the two singles and the one mystery song that i'm a huge fan of i yeah, I, I, th- there's not a lot to revisit on this album. So yeah. it's not like it has a spot in a permanent rotation for me. It's not like an yeah. album that I'm going to put on just to listen to. See, I think I think sim- uh, I think differently but also similarly for me, it is one of their albums I do keep reaching for the most often. But that's because I keep thinking I don't listen to it very often. I think it's one of the ones I don't listen to very much, but it's one, it's like the one I always go to grab because I think, oh, I haven't, haven't listened to that one in a while because I obviously know the rest of their catalog a lot more. So you've just convinced yourself that, that you like it and then you listen to it and you go, huh. I think I've just convinced myself. I think that's where I was and I think that's where I was when I was discussing it in the last episode. You've gaslit yourself <laughs> in a very specific way. It's I, I think I have about whether, and again, not whether this album is bad because it's not bad yeah. it's pretty good but it's like eh, eh. and this was also uh the last album to feature andy cregan which, yeah speaking of leaving yeah. members 
because I I do miss Andy Creepin dearly, and he has some great riffs on this album. Yeah, I remember you talked about that on Gordon about listen to some of those mm-hmm. keyboard riffs, some of those piano melodies. And I actually went back after we recorded that episode and listened a bit more because I think I took it for granted. The Bare Naked Ladies have such an amazing mm-hmm. piano feel in their songs. There are so many amazing lines, melodies, things like that. But I've never noticed the difference between Kevin Hearn and Andy Cregan, which is probably something that I've never kept an ear out for. But mm-hmm. another added benefit of doing this podcast with you is that you mentioned these things. And I said, you know what, I'm going to make a point i'm gonna listen and i really could now i actually mm-hmm. do hear a difference so yeah no and and i think it's a testament to uh just how much of a genius kevin hearn is as well um just and just how much of a like a, a technically impressive musician he is because he like is like really very much able to capture the feel of andy cregan's keys when he does have to play on the tracks that Andy recorded but like it's a very tough like I would not expect anyone who plays guitar to like it like successfully trick me into thinking that like they're Willie Nelson playing guitar or they're like or the they're the edge playing guitar or if like you're a, a drummer I would not expect a drummer to be able to successfully convince me that they're Phil Collins and Kevin Hearn I think does for the most part successfully like capture the magic that Andy had it's just that he's not it's just that he's not him but it's I think it's still technically impressive that he's able to I'm just imagining a series of concerts now that just play out like Scooby-Doo cartoons that you go to hey that's not Willie Nelson at all oh no go on stage and rip off the mask and it's just Randy Backman (laughs) that's right it was me (laughs) oh geez oh don't get me started on Randy Backman oh no he's fine um but he takes care of business he does so, uh, first track, Jane. Love it. It is a good track. I, like, yeah, I think I think objectively best song, best song on the album. Again, like not not my it's not my favorite song on the album, but I think like thinking from a real like an out there in the world perspective, absolutely. It's definitely the, best the most famous the of the album, and. I think it does. Yeah. It's really unfortunate because like you were talking about when picking up Maybe You Should Drive, the times that I've picked up this album and listened to it, I get really hyped because I go, oh yeah, Jane starts. I mean, this is going to be a great album. And then it just kind of goes downhill and I go, oh, yep. Just kind of like deflates. Yep, very much <laughs> Over so. the next couple tracks. Uh, um, that is also uh, like also right before we started recording, like right after watching the weird Lucy Loeb video, I immediately watched the Jane video as well. And what a weird video, man! What a <laughs> yeah, they were. Uh, have you have you seen that recently? I, it's very. I strange. haven't recently, but I do remember watching it on Much Music after school and uh, when mm-hmm. it was in pretty heavy rotation. And um, yeah, it's they're out there. They were doing yeah. a lot of stuff. They had a big budget. Like I said, they had a big budget for this album, and they were. Oh, they sure do. Um, I, I was kind of surprised how much Ed looks like he has already been working out. Like I thought that was like a change that happened later in his life. And also, uh, Tyler's bad uh, hair choices. Uh, he's definitely gotten <laughs> over them by this record, but he's passed it on to Jim. There's some. There's some weird, weird hair in that. Uh, in that video. And uh, specifically, Steve, Stephen Page, has said regularly that he thinks that the Juliana Evan, no Juliana next to my Evan, uh, line dates the song. I think he would be right if anyone remembered who the Lemonheads were. Yeah, 
yeah yeah your 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 topical like reference will date your song if anyone remembers that topic that you are referencing and i have no idea what that band is like is that because is that because i'm 35 like is like no i don't i don't like think if i was so. in my 40s would i understand that reference and feel like oh yeah this song's been been off the air for a while look i feel like the Lemonheads even i mean we grew up in the 90s so even something that was a one-hit wonder would still resonate with us and i don't think the Lemonheads were even a one-hit wonder i think that maybe like were you like but are you even aware of their presence like i was like i have never even heard of this band when i was looking up this reference no when i was doing my research and i heard that same quote that oh this dates it i clicked on the link thinking that i'd just see some sort of movie and i went oh it's a band well how about that yep (laughs) yep how about that um Maybe it's another reality bites <laughs> thing. Also, uh, this song, uh, the title character in this song, uh, Jane St. Clair, is named after the intersection in Toronto of Jane Street and St. Clair Avenue, which the producer Stephen Buffy, Stephen Buffy, very different TV show, which the producer Stephen Duffy remarked, saying, it's like, this sounds like the most beautiful intersection in the world, and the entire band just did not have the heart to correct him on that, because that is not a particularly beautiful intersection. Um, I specifically remember passing by that intersection on the bus on my way to the Degrassi set, like when I was in first year university, on my way to like my first TV job. And remarking as I pass that intersection, oh, it's that intersection with that Bare Naked Lady song. But yeah, beautiful, beautiful song. Intermittently is kind of how I feel about this record. I love you intermittently. Yeah, that's that's me and you. Uh, maybe you should drive. Yeah, because oh, both Jane and intermittently, like the like the back, like the front half of this album is just so much Stephen Page being a sad boy. Like, there's just a lot of like sad relationship songs on this album. Sad boy Page. Yeah, like to the point where I was like, is this going to be a concept album just about like terrible relationships? Because every single song was like just about a man sad about his lady until you get to like the last three tracks it's uh, yeah intermittently i don't mind it it's one of the yeah more memorable songs on the album maybe that's just because it's just repetitive as all hell so it just becomes memorable because i appreciate what they were what he was trying to do i did when we were doing research i heard that Robertson and Page did not collaborate nearly as much as they did on Gordon. And it shows. Mm -hmm. Like, it really does show that this Mm -hmm. is definitely a solo Page song that he just wrote, didn't have any collaboration on. It's it's good, but it's just... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like, and yet, on paper, it's very well written. Everything, it has everything going for it to be like a catchy, like a, like a, like a catchy, well-written clever pop song but it just doesn't stay with me like it's just not super duper memorable so like yeah yeah it's true actually half of the time half of the time when jane finishes i almost forget how intermittently goes yes yeah and then the first couple of first couple of chords go and you go oh yeah this song oh yeah yeah, that's okay like it works for the sequencing but like they're definitely like there are more singly songs I would have I would have front loaded into this album. I would maybe I would maybe resequence this this record, but yes, that's the way agreed. my brain thinks. 
I like them apples, Stephen Duppy. Aha. I know what you're about to do. I'm doing it, Chris. I'm segueing. So also a weird thing I didn't notice because uh, since Stephen Page has left the band, I always imagined there was like an even breakdown of like Stephen Page and Ed Robertson fronted songs on all of their records. And on Gordon and on uh, Maybe You Should Drive, there's only like two Ed fronted tracks, which is not the way I remember this. Yeah. I remember there being a lot more Ed tracks. It's very true, actually. Which is like one of the reasons why I'm like, oh, maybe that's what, like, obviously the band sounds different now that Stephen Page is gone. I'm like, oh, maybe that's why they sound so different is because there weren't actually that many Ed Robertson-led tracks on their, like, earlier earlier records. Yeah. I I like this song. I think it really, it, yeah. it shows, it's that quintessential Ed Robertson country twang that he brings to the yeah. albums. You yeah. know, he's got that little, he's got that drawl, he's got that wail when he gets into the chorus. It's fun. He's trying out some stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like I like that he does bring uh, like specifically Ed Robertson's influence and seem to be like some alt country and also some hip hop, some two yes. very different like two very different genres. We have not gotten to oh, we'll talk about Ed Robertson the rapper later. Um, I know you have very yeah, strong no, opinions like, of Ed Robertson yeah, as a rapper. No, because no, I think he's great. Because I think he's great, and everyone I know who likes hip hop wants to punch me right now, and that's fine because they're wrong. Ed Robertson is a great rhymesmith. Anyway, no, I also like these apples. Um, it's a, uh, yeah, it's like, it's got like some great, on this album in general, there's like, there's some good quips. Yeah, the whole like, uh, these apples are delicious and then she misunderstands and thinks that he's saying that they're red, de- like that they're delicious. Like they're the type of that, like, there's a lot of like good wordplay on this record that I really, really like. Um, you will be waiting to for me to think of a segue to talk about this next track and you'll never and you'll never get there oh, I know. you will be waiting oh i know you will be waiting waiting there for me yeah i like it oh, boy. I, like pretty good. I like a ballad I like a ballad, but yet again, song about song about a a mismatched relationship. Yeah, because all four of these songs so far have been about like relationships with an imbalance in them of some kind. It definitely slows down the record. This is the first meaning not meaningful song. Mm-hmm. They're all meaningful, but it's the first one. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's a ballad, right? It just kind of takes yeah. it, slows it down. It's nice. They have much better ballads, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, there are much better ballads on this album. Yes. Also, I don't think any of these are the secret song that you wanted me to guess yet. No, no. You're gonna no? see. Okay, good. You're gonna see right. my face yeah. light up. Oh. Uh, no one else will. You will though, and you'll probably. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> when it comes up. I just love it when you're when you're when you're happy, Chris. Um, <laughs> a, not the first track, despite being the first letter of the alphabet. Was that a mistake? I don't know. Yeah. Who could say? I suppose we could, since we're having a critical podcast about this record right now. So I suppose we could weigh well, in. You know, let's let's talk about it. Um, I feel like this is the closest to the like to like the kind of the the jokey boys kind of feeling from Gordon. 
that is missing entirely from this record. I love the Jokey Boys. I love that that's the alternative name for the band. <laughs> the Jokey Boys. <laughs> Those 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 nice boys who make uh, make jokes and laugh. Those lighthearted lads, because this is yeah this is like the closest to that like novelty song adjacent kind of stuff they did for those couple tracks on Gordon. Yeah, uh, which means I don't like it. You wouldn't be alone. It's probably <laughs> yeah. Actually, now nah, we'll, we'll get into probably my least favorite song on the album, but this is up there. It's it's nothing. It I think it is. Yeah. I think I actually don't mind the jokey tracks on Gordon as much as you do i think that they're they're okay okay, but i think that they're clever and neither do i i'm just being salty because it's entertaining but it is i enjoy again i do again as okay steve ed tyler kevin jim if you're listening i love your band unequivocally any criticism i have is is purely my own curmudgeonly old man taste i think you're all great you left ed out of that shout out so Did I think I? you are salty. Oh, yeah. What, uh, what Ed, you, I'm Ed sorry I left you? you out of that shout out. What did he do to you? <laughs> How did he hurt you, Ephraim? <sighs> How did the jokey boy hurt you? Well, uh, I was going to make a... Uh, see, and then I was going to make a mean joke about his reality show from a couple of years ago. But then I realized, oh, no, I've never seen an episode of that show. I shouldn't say something like that. Um, also, A... Uh, I don't have a comprehensive list of these songs, but is absolutely uh, my second favorite uh, Canadian alternative rock song from the 90s with the word erection in the lyrics. <laughs> what is that? That is your first or what is your first? No, no, that is my this is uh, like a very distant second. OK, so what is your first then? Uh, and if Venice is sinking by Spirit of the West, which is one of my favorite songs of all time, which involves the. With Marini's little man with an erection on a horse. Nice. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. I'm going to play that song at my wedding. It's going to be great. It's a great tune. Yeah. I think that that is the recommended listen of the day <laughs> at this stage. People are going to listen to this. Oh, that, People are going to oh. listen to this podcast about maybe you should drive where we just keep on going. Eh, it's okay. It's not the best, but then they're going to they're going right. to go yeah. up and listen to Spirit of the West instead, and that that's a good thing. Exactly. Which I think more people should, but that's an entirely different podcast. I'm sad that band is gone. Uh, I wish they had a new record. Uh, their old stuff sounds so new. Everything old is new again. Yes, you got it. I love it. I'm so proud of you. Uh, these are just getting worse and worse. Not for my sense of humor. I fucking love this. <laughs> yeah, you think? Oh, thanks, man. gonna say everything i said about intermittently again about this song like it's just not yeah it's you talked about lo- like the front loading yeah. of this album i feel like after mm-hmm. you will be waiting or probably just including you will be waiting like those three songs it's kind of a forgettable chunk of it before we get to the next song but yeah everything old is new again is just it's very yeah it's nothing it's a it's a nothing kind of kind of song yeah to be honest um really not really a lot of clever wordplay nothing really nothing really about it i think it really only is just i did it i figured it out sorry i was listening to you but i was like is there a way that i can look up what like uh like where the side flip was when you had this on cassette (laughs) and you can find that out by googling what an age we live in what an age incredible 
But I think that should be something on like every like on records Wikipedia pages. They should absolutely like even if it like even like like because they always have it if it was released on vinyl first. But if it was released on like cassette as the major format first, they don't include the like where they where the side break was. And I think that's very important because yeah, this is. I think now that I think of it, yeah, this song makes a everything old is new again makes a bit more sense as the last track on side A, right. which it was hundred percent, yeah, um, which actually makes a lot more sense. Because I was like, I bet this is where the cassettes flips over because alternative girlfriend is the other single. Disappointing that A wasn't the final track of tra- side A, but that's okay <laughs> because of this whole like the because of the alphabet because of the alphabet. That's right. Alternative girlfriend. Great. I really like Great. it. I really, really like Alternative Girlfriend. Um, I'm sorry. I'm reading your notes right now. I'm not sure that th- this was their attempt at grunge. They've gone on record. Really? They have gone on record in saying that, that they this was their attempt at mimicking what was happening in Seattle at the time. Guys, I'm not sure you succeeded. Well, also, what was going on in Seattle at the time? I mean, this came out three years after, you know, <laughs> Nevermind and 10. So I feel like they were just, which really adds to the whole thing huh well grunge didn't come to canada until like the late 90s yeah <laughs> we're always just a few steps behind it definitely is the heaviest song on the album yeah yeah so yeah, there's yeah. that yeah but it's still definitely that like jangly like college rock kind of thing to it um and yet again also is a song about uh stephen page pining for someone and not being happy with his current relationship I do really like the wordplay, though. There's some very good wordplay on this album. So, yeah, the alternative, alternative, two meanings. Yep, very good. Uh, you li- you're in an all-girl band. You're futon secondhand. It's uh, your parents understand, but you don't care. I mean, that's very... Pretty good. I also really enjoy just the old at being young, young at being old. They're- that's actually very poignant. Yeah. That's a very evocative lyric. I really like Yeah, yeah. Just a really yeah. good, good song. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a, and it's a like like Jane. It's more of a like I don't know. I like a I like a um a sad love song when it's more of a story song. Like when there's more specific traits about the characters. Like I'm not I don't know. Yes. Again, me being a curmudgeon, I like I like specificity and I like yeah. I really like story songs and this feels more like there's more more of a set narrative to this song and to Jane than there are to some of the other love songs on this album. So yeah, I completely agree. I think that when I first heard this song and I was pretty young, like maybe. 11 or 12 it was one of the first songs that i remember told me a story mm-hmm. as weird as that sounds it mm-hmm. was i could follow it from beginning to end i knew what was being done it was a narrative and i appreciate it for that i mm-hmm. agree with you 100 yeah. percent. and and I, i'll say it one more time because just in case our listeners didn't catch it again so it's alternative like like the fashion moat she's an alternative girl who wears alternative things and listens to alternative bands, but also he he's cheating on someone with her, so she's his alternative girlfriend. Get it? Get it? See wordplay. Wordplay. There's two different. There's two, see, I caught that. That's again establishing on air that I have a keen critical eye. Um, I want to see if your face lights up on the next song. Doesn't look like it is. See, my face is lighting up on the next song. Am I the only one? Is one of my favorite Bare Naked Lady songs. Well, I like seeing you happy, so it's good. It's reciprocal. Yeah. Am I the only one who loves when you leave? Your hair down in front of me. 
and who. Uh, it's, so this is this is the other Ed Robertson track on this record, and I love it. It's just very, I don't know, it just gives me, uh, in, in the parlance of our times, it gives me the feels. It's It's got this, like, really beautiful, slow, melancholy, yeah, it just, it just hits me emotionally. It's really interesting that Stephen Page, we were talking about, you know, Sad Boy Page on this album, but this is probably the saddest song on yeah. the album, I think, by, yeah. by Robertson. So, I mean, he was going through some stuff yeah. too, it seemed. Yeah, actually, that's true. For like the, sad, like the saddest sad boy song on this record, I think Ed does take the crown for this particular track, despite significantly more contributions to the genre that Steve makes earlier in the album. The sad boy. I, oh, yeah, but no, I just, I can't. Yeah, I love this song. I, I, I agree. I'm a fan of it. Not in my top three, though. So, uh, so Tiny Little Song presumably your face is not lighting up i would be very surprised it's yeah well no just it's just a little tiny song it's it's very it's it's like a it's, it's a segue into the next one it's just yeah. very well it's a tiny little song what do you what else do you want it to do it can only do so much fair enough i guess i'm just putting too many expectations on it yeah also if I'm not mistaken, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but this, this entire record has been song about a relationship, 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 song about vegetarianism? <laughs> like, like there, there's kind of a thematic twist right at the end. Yeah, because even though they're completely different songs, Tiny Little Song and Great Provider are the only two, like, not explicit, like, about romance songs on the album, and that feels weird to me. Yeah, it does kind of come out of left field. It's very true. And you're right. It does have that reveal at the end. I mean, it makes sense that it's an Andy Cregan song. Mm -hmm. It's the only song that he wrote. So maybe that has, maybe he was going through his own thing. They were going through relationship problems. He was just changing his diet up. Well, I mean, he did want to quit a very, very successful band that was like on the air heavily to go to music college music college at mcgill university it's i mean that at mcgill of yeah of all places like yeah so it's a, it's yeah. a good school it's mm. I'm, I'm not i'm not bagging mcgill no, but i but... mean what are you gonna learn i feel like people go to the music program in mcgill to learn how to find success in music he's just kind of doing it ass backwards and yet again this is purely my own life intruding on these opinions and things like that but like i quit theater school to pursue acting and yeah so i'm kind of like oh uh, if you could just do the work, like, I mean, that's the point of doing the school is to do the work and, and stuff. And so if you, you're doing the work, then, yeah, I don't know. Eh. Fear of going public with opinions and things like, oh, no, why did I say that? The comments, people are going to be like, oh, no, Ephraim Ellis is anti-education. Headlines everywhere. I can edit it out. Don't worry. And but but Or maybe I'll leave it in and it'll just get us more listeners, more just more hits. And think, yes, controversy, Chris. We'll just, be, we'll just become super Chris. controversial, yeah. Um, but long story short, Tiny Little Song. It's uh, it's a tiny little song. What else do you want? It's a from? tiny little song. Andy Cregan, he wrote it. He said, now I'm, now I'm off to McGill. Peace. And I do love you, Andy. So, I mean, if you want us to write a song about vegetarianism and just stick it in the middle of this record, like, you can go right ahead. You do or, you, man. You do you, bud. Uh, life in a nutshell? Hey! 
look at that beautiful smile. I love this song so much. I love this song too. This is also one of my, yeah, we are in concurrence on this one. Fantastic. It is. Great tune. It is to me the perfect love song. It is so sweet. Like, oh, it. Oh, like the riff off the top, and it's got that little like like the oh, I can't I can't do it with my voice, but it's got the Andy Cregan keys on it, like that weird little triplet thing that he does all the like. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good, so so good. I have not heard this on in any of their concerts, which is upsetting. But when they used to do their Ships and Dip tour, which was a short-lived cruise ship that they did, like they just hosted a cruise. And they would just play every night. Life in a Nutshell was done every single Ships and Dip set. And that makes me really sad. It was just like a weird, no. like, I guess that makes it Yacht Rock. I'm not sure. Is it? <sighs> but this song is, it, it is the quintessential. It, it's silly. It's beautiful. The sentiment is amazing. The wordplay, like you said, it, it's great. And it just makes me feel good. It makes me feel good down there. I think that... Mm-hmm love ballads can be a bit I don't know I think this is just my ideal version of love I think that like this is what I have with my wife I think about this song a lot Mm -hmm. when oh I think I think about this song a lot when I'm with her no let's reverse that I think about her when I hear this song (laughs) (laughs) Um, when we were when we were long distance for unfortunately just due to the government I'd play the song and I'd, I'd get very melancholic I would think about her a lot because it really does sum up my version of love. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. I think it's, yeah, that's, that's all I can say. Yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. No. And I, yeah. And I, I agree with you completely. And I do like that. Like I, like it's such like a, a joyous song. Uh, and I, like, I, I like that it has, uh, it, it it has some 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 interesting and I feel like very very real yes conceptions of the joys of love like the baby cat we both get fat line is yeah just very evocative and I like I, I think it, yeah just very evocative of that like very true feeling of joy in something and not and yes. not feeling not not uh, not caring about any other expectations while inside of a thing. The thing being a relationship, yeah, that's right. You tend not, yeah, you tend not to worry mm-hmm. what about other people say. Oh yeah, oh. so he literally says it's it just later right the there. Song. Good catch, good catch. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely it's great. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad we agree on this, Chris. Podcast friends doing podcasty things, agreeing on uh, on stuff on air. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I would I would stand up in court with this opinion. <laughs> the wrong man would not be convicted. These are weak. I don't like these segments. I don't. Oh, I'm working on it. The wrong man was convicted. You know I did. Very low stakes in this courtroom. Your Honor, for the record, life in a nutshell. It's like yes, we all enjoy this song now. <laughs> now about the parking violation. I think it should have been the lead single. I still. St- I think it should have been the lead single. Yeah, uh, and then after that, like, joyous, like, very happy, very different song, right back to I'm sad about my relationship being messed up. And again, with with some pretty decent wordplay, but not good enough to 
pull it back into the heights of stuff I love. I think that's the weird thing about Life in a Nutshell, too, is that it's so out of yeah. place on this album for the reasons that we've spoken about. Mm-hmm. You go, there's so many quiet and brooding tracks and sadness and, mm-hmm. and about relationships and stuff. And then, again, that riff, which is amazing at the top, but it just feels so out of place on this album. And like you said, this joyous, beautiful song, ends with a do 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 and then yeah just immediately into mm-hmm. well here here we go being sad boys again mm-hmm. yeah as i said i do really like convicted convicted again like the word play there with the whole like ah you think he's talking about crime and convicted but it's like oh because i lacked conviction i see what you did there stephen page ah well played page so i do like that i do like that but i'm not not a heck of a lot else on the in that song Great provide. Does Ed sing on Great Provider? Great Provider is Jim Cregan. Well, Jim Cregan wrote it. Sorry, but but Ed Robinson is the lead vocals. Yes, so that is the third Robertson song. Okay, the third. Okay, so I apologize earlier for all those people yelling at their radios. There were three Ed Robertson tracks. When I had said there were two earlier and was incorrect. I love that you think that people are going to listen to this podcast on their radios. That's great. Isn't that how you, isn't that how you listen to your podcast? You just, just switch on the old Victrola? This, I'm trying to get it through. <laughs> Tune in into this podcast. <laughs> on at 5.05 p.m. <laughs> Excuse me, Lansdowne 525. Could you please connect me to your Bainley Ladies podcast? Yeah, and then, yeah, just out of, yeah, again, song about a relationship, song about a relationship, song about a relationship, song about vegetarianism, song about a relationship, song about a relationship, song about fa- about fathers and sons? Which, just like, yeah, just seems just content-wise out of place. Yeah, I guess a, a different sort of relationship, but if you're looking for a thematic tie to this whole album, it falls apart there. Yeah. You're right. Again, just, yeah, not super-duper memorable to me no it it follows through that whole point from yesterday well not yesterday it follows through that whole point from gordon when we were talking about that the final track on the album is just it really ends the album with a whimper rather than a bang again i don't think that they get it right until next album to be honest though again like i I know we've moved on from gordon but i still think that you're wrong crazy is a great way to end that like oh like no this this, like this is this is a bit of a whimper i feel like i feel like crazy is not a whimper that's like that's still that's still memorable to me i don't know as opposed to this like yeah it it is memorable like Mm -hmm. on that on that note you're right great provider Mm -hmm. is definitely a lot less of a nothing it's it's more of a nothing Mm -hmm. than than crazy is but i think it's it, it's funny because i feel like i have i'm not saying a lot about this album compared to gordon but that's just because i don't have a lot to say because it's just mm-hmm. it, it's gonna be mm-hmm. one of those it's pretty good yeah yeah that's pretty good we could have saved 45 minutes if we just if we just ended it with that yeah it's good <laughs> yeah it's pretty good um yeah and i i think uh i think we uh, i think we said this when we were introducing the album again my impression had been like oh yeah maybe you should try this is one of my favorite bare naked ladies albums i think i was thought to myself this is one of my favorite bare naked ladies albums i am just remembering jane alternative girlfriend am i the only one and life in a nutshell like 
I was remembering the weird EP that I had made up in my head that was just those four songs instead of the whole record. And again, not that I dislike anything on the rest of the record. It's just the rest of it is like, eh, like those. But I, but now that I think about it, four tracks out of 12, that's a third of the record being like all-time classics. That's pretty good. It is. It definitely is in terms of it being one third. I think it just, it stands out to me because the majority of Bare Naked Ladies albums, I'll listen from start to end. And this one, mm. I won't. Yeah, they're one of those rare bands that I can listen from the beginning track to the end, enjoy something out of every single track along the way. This one, I think you're right. With those, those are really the only four songs worth revisiting on a regular mm-hmm. basis. Mm. I do um, like these so apples, but that's just yeah. though they are delicious. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm getting the sense three out of five stars across the board of major review publications i feel like our podcast is not going to shift the bell curve on this one i I tend to agree i think that where were if if we were around in 1994 giving reviews i'm thinking like yeah three three uh, a real solid three out of five what would you give it well in terms of in terms of the ranking like where would you put this out of the their 15 albums oh boy um yeah, on the lower on the lower end. Uh, I don't want to spoil which which records I don't like as much. Um, yeah, like I'm. I mean, like this is just completely off the cuff, but I feel like like third or fourth least favorite. Yeah, I'd I'd probably be right up there with you to the point where I can't really. Yeah, I I, I don't even want to bother trying to order the albums I like better ahead of it because it's, there's too many of them. I tend to th- I tend to think that this is probably the my least favorite in the Stephen Page yeah Bare Naked yeah, Ladies yeah. catalog. Mm-hmm. I think that while he was with the band, this is probably the 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 worst. I don't want to say the worst because it still got some good stuff on it, but I definitely. It's it's not one that mm-hmm. I would go and revisit anytime soon. Whereas they're about to go into their golden years, if there's anything like we're and that's going to start with the album we're going to talk about next week. So and now that you phrase it like that, if we're ranking this within the before Stephen Page left the band uh, albums, this is my maybe my least favorite or second least favorite. Oh, all right, yeah. Which is not what I thought. I thought, I honestly thought going into this episode that I liked this record better than Gordon. Oh. But again, that's not true. It's just that there's four songs on it that I like better than the songs on Gordon. Peaks and Valleys. Peaks and Valleys. Three out of five stars across the board. Peaks and Valleys, three out of five stars. If we were, if we were, if our podcast was around in 1994, let me tell you. But no. Rolling Stone Mm -hmm. and Now Magazine had to, had to do the job for us. I was I was getting all uh, amped up to ask final thoughts, but I think we've already done final thoughts. Yeah. What do you think? Okay, never mind. Never mind, Chris. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Uh, look, you can tell from comments that the band has made that they're not a particularly fond of this album either. I feel. I think that this definitely was an experiment with a larger budget, with bigger name producers. Not everything worked. You came up with some some really good songs, some that you know would show up on greatest hits to come. I'm not a fan of the album, but again, it spawned mm-hmm. one of my favorite tracks in their entire catalog. So for that, I'll mm-hmm. I'll say it's it's not offensive. It's not 
It's, I love how I keep on saying offensive as if, again, it does not insult my mother. Again, it does not go out of its way to break any CRTC rules. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a mean album. <laughs> I haven't given it my... It certainly isn't. But, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate what they were trying to do, but my final thoughts, just meh. Yeah. Um, yeah. My final thoughts, as I said before, Peaks and Valleys, three out of five stars across the board. Uh, four songs that I love and will listen to any day of the week on repeat, and eight that I'm like, eh. Oh, and one other final thought. I do also appreciate that the album art for this record is a very solid entry in the uh, 90s alternative rock album covers that feature the elderly photographed in black and white being confused about the props they were handed by the photographer. Because I feel like that's a whole subgenre. Like there was that one Our Lady Peace rep, like the uh, Our Lady Peace record that had that. There was that Matchbox 20 record that had the guy in the flight cap on the front. Like I feel, yeah, there's just like slightly bemused elderly people seem to be like a common subject for alternative rock band album covers in the early 90s you could make a coffee table book about some of those album covers that's yeah. pretty good like, i like yeah. that if yeah. you're talking about yeah. album artwork actually this is probably one of my favorite artwork uh album artworks by them so uh oh. but okay. it but the mm-hmm. artwork does not you can't judge an album by its cover i guess mm-hmm. it's true um this has been fun chris yeah yeah thank you so uh for all of our listeners out there where uh where can they find you chris they can find me on the Twitter at csmall201, mostly talking about wrestling and UFC and maybe some stuff thrown in there about the Raptors and the Blue Jays. Uh, well, not the Raptors anymore. They lost, but that's okay. Uh, Depending on when this is released, maybe they're back in. No, no, no. I'll, I'll, I'll release it in a timely manner. Uh, and you can also find me at on Instagram at csmalltraveler. Ephraim, what about you? Uh, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Ephraim Ellis, though I have, don't think I have posted on Twitter in two months, two and a half months, and I've only posted once on Instagram in the past like month and a half, so realistically you can find me on Netflix in episode nine of season one of V Wars starring Ian Somerhalder. That was a good, that was a good job. Uh, you can also find me in my backyard reading a book. That's true. If you're walking, if you're walking along Ephraim's path while you're listening to this, stop in and say hi. Exactly. But yeah. But make sure you're wearing a mask. Yeah. But socials-wise, eh, just don't expect a lot of content. But I'm there. But if you bring a book, you can you can pack up with him. But don't expect him to say a lot. He's you're you're interrupting on his quiet time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Until next time, when we talk about born on a pirate ship, I'm Ephraim Ellis. I'm Chris Small. And we have been closed this entire time. See you next week.